Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. And good afternoon. Welcome to Sandy and Sean here on Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM and 107.5 HD3. Sandy Clough, soon to be joined by Sean Rotar. Our caller text line is 303-831-1340. As always, our producer is the great Danny Bailey, and we are streaming on milehighsports.com slash listen and the free Mile High Sports app. Uh, This is known pretty much on an annual basis as a kind of dead week in sports. If we're talking about the three or, as Sean and I prefer, four major professional sports in North America for most of this week, including today, there are no games of any meaning whatsoever going on. With the exception of baseball's all-star game, which remains an exhibition game. National Football League camps don't open for another couple of weeks, roughly. Some less than that. Major League Baseball is on hiatus from regular season game action until Friday when play for most clubs does resume. And, of course, the NBA and NHL are in a post-draft, post-free agency phase before training camps open in September and October. September for the NHL and October for the National Basketball Association. So it is not a week normally loaded with news. And... The distribution of news is interesting this week. Now, there is Wimbledon uh, going on in tennis, and Djokovic's match win today in the quarterfinals at Wimbledon is uh, the big story there as he bids for a calendar year Grand Slam, having already won the Australian Open and the French Open. But as far as game action is concerned, there is nothing to report on which makes me think of the timing of the big sports story, at least in this country, if not internationally, yesterday. The story centering on the New York Times announcement that it would be disbanding its sports department and relying on coverage of teams and games from its website, The Athletic, both online and in print. Interesting that they would make that announcement this week when there aren't any games going on to cover and the purpose primarily of disbanding the sports department is to relinquish what has long been one of the uh, most appealing aspects of the New York Times, and that's its sports coverage, yes, including opinion columns and certainly 
wider issues in sports that touch on the intersection between culture and sports. But as I read from the statement issued by the New York Times, he planned to focus even more directly on distinctive high-impact news and enterprise journalism about how sports intersect with money, power, culture, politics, and society at large. This is in an email written to the Times newsroom yesterday morning. At the same time, we will scale back the newsroom's coverage of games, players, teams, and leagues. Apart from believing, and we'll develop this subject uh, as Sean has joined us as we move on this afternoon, and in roughly 55 minutes, we'll be joined by a longtime Denver sports writer, author Terry Fry, who has some reflections on uh, this latest lightning bolt thrown by the New York Times uh, yesterday. But as we get deeper into it, maybe it's just a simple act of union busting, but it is certainly a continuing part of the trend in sports coverage and the cutting back of things like, oh, for example, box scores, which you still see in at least one of the Denver dailies, I suppose, but has long since been dropped by the New York Times. They have not been printing box scores for a very, very long time, and now they are seeding sports coverage to the athletic, which by design is not read by people who are looking for day-to-day game accounts or box scores. That part is fascinating because, yeah, there is, there is a... The uniqueness of this story is that the New York Times acquired the Athletic last year. Yes. So, so they do own the Athletic, and that's different than some, sort of like having a different, you know, a budget car line or something to that extent if you're a car manufacturer. So in one way... This is its own individual thing. But in another, it's it's really not because you hit on it as we see uh, global capital firms take on newspapers and then disassemble yeah. them. You brought up union busting. That's definitely part of this equation at very minimum. You call it cost cutting, however they want to go about it. This is kind of an inflection point in the way sports is going to be covered in the United States because uh, the athletics, since it was built, does a very good job of, of being essentially, in many ways, not entirely replacing, but to an extent replacing what Sports Illustrated used to be, where you can yeah. find some long-form, long-form stories about personalities. Yeah. The Sports That's Illustrated right. now becomes its own sort of different entity as well, uh, not a weekly publication either. But that was always mm-hmm. for the people that were really into it, not the folks who were, were casual folks interested in sports. So the people who were casual interested in sports would grab the newspaper, they'd flip the box score, they saw, <laughs> saw who won, saw who lost, saw who played well, and then that was all they needed to know for the day. The loss of that, starting with the Times, which you can make the argument, quite frankly, at least in American sports history, is essentially the record of American sports. When you talk about the the tenure of the New York Times and and what it has covered itself. But 
what all the news that's fit to print. The decision that they're making is basically saying, for lack of a better term, the minutia doesn't matter, right? Now you doesn't matter to our readers. Right. You can, which you can is argue a pretty cynical that is a box argument. score, a minutia. I mean, it is is the record of what happened yeah. in the game you yeah. watched. I, and I, frankly, online I can go to other places, as can you, as can most people, to find box scores. Right. And ESPN.com provides box scores. Yeah. MLB.com provides box scores. Uh, same thing with hockey, basketball, football. Uh, there are uh, reference sites for all four of the major professional but, but sports in North America. But along with box scores, which wasn't appearing anyway, now you lose any sense. And they've already dropped beat reporters right. in terms of traveling with teams on the road and teams. And there was a big deal a few years ago when they basically announced kind of tongue in cheek that they weren't going to cover the Knicks. They were so bad on a day to day basis. And readers sort of got the idea behind that, and it was, in effect, an editorial pronouncement that the Knicks, through its owner, James Dolan, were so disgustingly uh, bad and even offensive in the way they operated uh, the franchises that reside in Madison Square Garden that they, they weren't going to uh, uh, take the bait and continue to cover them as a conventional team. It was an editorial comment as much as anything else, but they have let people go. Uh, Mm -hmm. Beat writing has has sort of become a thing of the past, but you still had the sports of the times column. But here's here's what you lose. written as often, but you still had that, and you lose a, a, a department that was once considered a pillar of American sports journalism. I grew up reading the New York times primarily. I read other New York papers too. Yes. On a fairly regular basis, but every day we got the New York times. And the first thing I did being a kid right. was flip to the sports section, which was a section no longer is if the, in the print editions. If you notice it's built into the paper. And this, no is, Sandy, this is a lot more but than it, the New York times. Itself. Little, little bit of uh, gradual erosion in the coverage, but it was the New York times, Sports Illustrated and the Sporting News, right, which is exists but is in a zombie and state, right? None it's not of those three thing. exist at, in, in the format that they were. Whenever this goes into effect, right, as they were before. So you're right; it isn't just the New York Times. What we lose, and and there are a couple ways to look at it. And in Denver, you can see it. Of course, uh, if you've been in Denver long enough, you remember the Rocky Mountain News, the yeah. Denver Post. Yeah. Uh, had a rather fierce fifty-fifty competition for um, almost a century. Where these these two Come papers through the early two thousand right through through continued uh, competition pushed each other to be better. A lot of the national talent you see nowadays came out of those newspaper wars. We'll have one of them, Terry Fry, as well. Yeah. Will join us. He was part of that, sure. But what you you lose, and and you can see it here in Denver in a couple different ways. What you lose when you move away from beat writers, when you call it minutia. Well, in the end, you know we can get into this, but but sports is minutia. The nature mm-hmm. of sports is minutia. A single at bat. A single down on a football field, uh, a single pass in a basketball game. These are the things that decide winning and losing, and in the end, decide exactly what makes sports interesting. So moving away from that loses something. But when you move away from having regular coverage 
from people who are hired to cover that team from a news perspective, which is not what we do. We are opinion-based perspective. Do we, do we bring along news? Right. Yes, we do. We are, don't cover sports are, are, right. nearly as this much as different. we comment We editorialize. Right. We write the same as the editorial columns. Right. That's what we do. But when you don't have the people covering the team on a day-to-day basis, when you have teams, and we, we saw it literally weeks ago during the Denver Nuggets run to the NBA title. It got better as it went along because the media started to catch up. But when you leave it to the, to the national media or the people with a wider view, when you, you don't have a local viewpoint on it, then you run into situations where you have people, and I, I know it's slightly unfair, so I'm not going to neighbor, but say, I've never watched Nikola Jokic play before, right, right before they interview them on the sideline. Right. You have uh, players who are talking about things, about former players that are talking about Michael Malone on a sideline, that they're woefully out of date. They're even calling him Mike, which is made it great. He doesn't want to be called Mike. He hasn't been called Mike a long time. Uh, yeah. th- these, these are the things that, at least for people in Denver, when you look at the way things will change, that get missed when you trust the national side to cover things because they're not going to cover every team at an equal level. Population density, the effectiveness of the team at that point in time, uh, the, the media market impact, all of those play into it. and It's essentially impossible to cover them equally when you rely on national media. And we see that in Denver all the time. Knowing that you lose this in, in newspapers, and, and the Times is different, I get it, they own the Athletic, but that this is part of a larger But the viewpoint. Athletic is cut back. Right, and, and this is happening everywhere. Colorado has half the papers. You know, the Denver Gazette is now here, moving, moving right. into that, and we have a lot of their books here, and they work on it as well and do a great job with their beat writers, which they have, by the way, we have for every on. team. We have them on. For exactly that reason. But those are the people who will tell you what's happening because as we reach a point with media consolidation and, and it accelerated during COVID, and I'll just give you an, an example locally, right? When the NFL came back with empty stadiums and we didn't go to practices, we didn't go to, to any of those conferences or anything, they were on Zoom. So a coach or a player gets put on your, your Zoom call, one question that, of course, is, is uh, proved by the, the media person decides who will answer that question. That question gets answered. There's no follow-ups. They're going to move on to the next one. The second the player or the coach is sort of done, oh, sorry, we can just switch. They can just walk off the camera. That there's no, what you lose to a certain extent is accountability because more and more the value of sports teams in the billions now, four and a half billion for the Denver Broncos, allows you to control the message, and the medium. If you were to ask the, the Broncos, and I'm just mentioning them in particular, it's not anything devious or any, anything like that. Every NFL team, every team in sports would love this. They'd love for you to find out everything about the Denver Broncos at denverbroncos.com. Yes. They'd absolutely prefer that. Because when things are bad, uh, you know, it was just a little bad luck on that third down. Things could have gone the other way. You know, ignore the fact they lost by 20. Th- that's what happens when teams control the message and the medium. When there are no counterbalances to that, what we see to an extent is what we've seen the last couple of years, Sandy. You and I have been swimming upstream here in, a, in other <laughs> stations in, in, in town when we've been talking about the Broncos over the last few years, telling everyone, this, this is not a playoff team. Stop buying yeah. the pie-in-the-sky stuff. And fans year in and year out get surprised. We will surprised. get into that. People are still buying into right? it. And they get surprised by that, right? They get surprised because all they're hearing from either the team itself, the team's website, 
team social media or the team's official broadcast partner, which, by the way, you've, you've worked yes. on team's official broadcast partners For a before. So have I. There are limitations on exactly how hard you can lean, lean mm. into a team. Sometimes self-imposed. Sometimes. They can be self-imposed. But not all the time. Not all the time. But in, inherently, if you're working in one of those outlets, there's the understanding that if you'd like to keep your job, you don't want to make too many waves. There certainly is in 2023, no doubt. Right. And so what we lose is the ability, and, and that's the way I've approached this year, and I edited newspapers. I edited the USA Today for over a decade. What we lose is the ability to advocate for consumers, which is what I think our job really is in the end. I think that's what we do. What we're trying to do is tell you, we understand you. there are two valuable assets that we have in our life, time and money. One of them, you can't get back at all. One of them's pretty hard to replace. Theoretically, what we're trying to do here is not only entertain and, and maybe make sure that when next time you watch sport, there's a little more to it and it's more fun and there's, there's more depth and nuance to it, but we're really trying to advocate for you as a fan so you can spend the most of your two limited assets, time and money, and get the most value out of it. But if you lose the counterbalance to the team's own narrative, it becomes very hard for anybody to do that. You, me, newspapers, even the members of the national media. That's what we risk losing. I agree. And I grew up in reading the New York Times, looking at columnists like Dave Anderson, Red Smith, Robert Lipsey. I mean, that's how I developed much of my worldview around sports all wrote books, but I read their columns before I read their books. Mm -hmm. And one of the three would be writing every day. And obviously they had, as the years went by, William uh, C. Roden, who now writes for ESPN's uh, website, Landscape. Uh, But the beat guys, that, that was the bread and butter. That was the meat and potatoes, that's how you got a sense of why the team you were following won or lost. Why? That's Talk shows didn't exist. Why they won or lost. Talk shows didn't exist in the the 60s and through much of the 70s. The advent of ESPN and sports talk radio uh, basically developed along similar lines at roughly the same time. I think ESPN helped talk radio and talk radio helped ESPN. Sure. sure. It, it's, it's, it's a situation where you're, you're exactly right. What you lose is the why things happen. Everybody can tell you what happened. Everybody can tell you what happened. You go to a million websites, everyone can tell you what happened. Why it happened well, even, is the difference. Even maybe. in game stories, and I think this is a natural evolution, the best beat reporters acted as a movie reviewer or someone reviewing a show might act. They were reviewing the game. In so doing, there was an element of opinion thrown in along with details of the game. 
And it seems to me that sports coverage now in print has turned into an either-or proposition. Either you get what the Times described as more focus on distinctive, high-impact news and enterprise journalism about how sports intersect with money, power, culture, politics, and society at large, or you get the games. It used to be both end. You'd get both. And now I suspect that even the high-minded words behind this decision will not satisfy readers, frankly, because the quality of the New York Times writing in its sports section to this day outstrips the quality of writing at the athletic. Not that there isn't good writing at the athletic. There is, but on a day to day basis, I don't think there's any comparison. And now the choice has been made for you pretty much. Right. And there's a little bit of the New York times arrogance in believing that its audience only wants the high minded stuff. One, that's a supposition they have no particular right to make. And two, it assumes that that's what they're delivering when, in fact, I think there will be a lessening of quality sports writing and sports reporting. We will have an opportunity to talk about this in a little bit with Terry Fry, as we mentioned. Uh, Really, it it is the story in sports in the week in which there's not a lot of sports going (laughs) on for the most part. Interesting that they would choose this week to make this announcement when people aren't following the things they say now they won't be providing as of this fall or whenever this goes into it. Well, we'll switch gears for a minute because out in the NBA Summer League in Vegas, the San Antonio Spurs have decided, of course, with their young star to make a move. Should the Denver Nuggets consider the same? I'll explain next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The appearances of Victor Wembanyama, Wembanyama, pardon me, in the Vegas Summer League, uh, they're over already. Hope you caught those first two games because that's it. After two games, uh, one kind of bad one and then a uh, pretty good one in the second, they decided, the Spurs did, that they've probably seen enough, which I think tells you about how much you need to know about the value of, of, of Summer League, but also to an extent, the longer term plans of the Spurs who understand they're not championship ready or close to it. Uh, Wimpanyama is 19 years old and they're just not in any hurry. They wanted to see him, wanted to get his feet wet and then, okay, let's play it safe. They certainly don't want him to get hurt. No, uh, absolutely not. While he's going to continue to kind of put on weight, remember they list him at Seven three two twenty five. That's what he's listed at. Remember, I closer think that's to, an exaggeration. Was closer to one ninety when he was doing workouts uh, prior to the draft process. So uh, he'll get being there. cautious. Hey, oh yeah, but, but it'll be in two or three years. And so I look at this for the Denver Nuggets. And while it's not an apples to apples, it's not Victor Wembanyama. I get that. But 
the Denver Nuggets have Peyton Watson playing and starting and playing big minutes in the first two games. Peyton Watson is the only member of the Nuggets Summer League team that was with the Nuggets all last year. Now, granted, he didn't play very many minutes per game. He barely got into games, as you would expect, as a, as a rookie. And a rookie that, uh, at the time, was the lowest selection of the first round ever picked in points per game scored at the, college, at the collegiate level when he was selected. That said, he's come in and looked like the best player on the court in the first game. Looked fine in the second game, if somewhat disengaged. Should the Nuggets be doing the same thing? Can, can they get anything? Can they help Peyton Watson's development with a handful more of these summer league games? Or when, yeah. now we talked about this yesterday, we believe if, if the season started today, he's the eighth guy. Yeah. Uh, should you be protecting him starting now? I, I kind of think you should. I, I, I would quibble with that just slightly. Okay. I, I think he needs to play. I, I think he's one of those guys who didn't play a lot in college. And a number, what I found interesting about the summer league is that so many, not of 23 draft picks, but of 2022 draft picks, right. so many, eight of the top 10, are participating in some form or fashion. Um, uh, Sohan, uh, San Antonio, and uh, Monchero, I believe. Mm-hmm. Are the, are the two that aren't out of the top 10 from the 2022 draft. Some of this has to do with picking a bunch of 18-year-olds. Right. That Peyton Watson projects. is like that in a sense. He's a project. That's fair. Because he's purely a project. Sure. And he needs to play basketball. And he needs to play in an environment where the skills he brings to bear right now will be more clearly demonstrated and maybe you'll see additional confidence at the offensive end that wouldn't otherwise be there going into training camp. I don't think it's a huge deal. If they sat him down, I would understand it. If there is the slightest sense that uh, he has played as many minutes as they feel he should be playing. Maybe they have a total minutes idea for Peyton Watson for the in record, the summer league. Peyton Watson's played a career total, regular and postseason, of 201 minutes. Right. Total. Right. So it's not a lot. That that, that so you up there. I, I don't know if, it, if there is such a line that's been drawn, if it's 250 minutes, if it's X number of games. Uh, I would, for the time being, play him. Um, I notice so many of these guys are playing and playing a lot. Um, uh, Jabari Smith uh, of Houston, uh, Jalen Duran of Detroit, uh, Ivory of Detroit, Eason of Houston, Sharp of Portland, and even Keegan Murray of Sacramento, who played a fair amount this year and Mm -hmm. Got some minutes in the playoffs, even. He's been playing. He was the fourth overall pick. I I think for certain teams, they're playing guys who represent the future. Certainly with uh, the presumed trading, whether it happens soon or a few months from now, of... Damian Lillard, 
makes Shaden Sharp pretty important guy yeah, obviously in Portland's future. Portland, because and Portland, by the pretty way, important uh, guy, and he's playing quite a bit in the summer league because they want to accelerate the process a little bit. And I, I do Grant like a superstar right now. Matter so of opinion, of matter of opinion, that I, I think the Nuggets, um, if they are truly investing in Peyton Watson, need to give him a chance to play uh, major minutes that he'll never get uh, next year, unless there are massive injuries. Uh, he'll never get that kind of playing time. So, I I think it helps someone like uh, Watson who has a defensive mindset orientation and gets a chance to put that on display and maybe do a few things on offense that even when he plays this year, he won't have an opportunity to do. Well, I mean, I I guess I'll, (laughs) for lack of a better term, Sandy, uh, you've won me over, so I'll cut my own argument off at the knees that I had originally because those are all really good points, but, he the, needs to play. When Benyama is an exception, and and I I think he's he's so <laughs> valuable. Yeah, it's I, a difference. He's the whole franchise. Based on what they saw in the second game, I, I'll but admit, the point I'll admit making, this. There's an element. Let's quit while we're ahead. Yeah, where something weird happens. Right. I right. I, I think the Spurs are acting a little more out of a. An abundance of caution, but okay, the point you make is pretty solid. And maybe an overabundance of caution. Because be you look at the starting for the five, the same in the first two games, Kamagate uh, at, at center, the the uh, second rounder out, out of France. Yeah. Uh, Watson and Strouder in the front court, Pickett right. and Gillespie in the back court. Right, right. Oh, Hunter, all these guys uh, Hunter Tyson play, coming right? up with big minutes off the bench. The The truth of the matter is uh, Kamagate is almost certainly going back to France, but the other right. five guys... Could all be on this roster. Could be. It's not impossible. I'm not sure that you look at a, a Vlatko Chancho or even a Zeke Naji, and I'm I'm not sure they're better than some of the guys that Calvin Booth just brought in. And remember, those aren't Calvin Booth guys. The guys he just picked are Calvin Booth guys. That may matter too. So what you could be looking at when you put all these guys on the floor at the same time is the idea that this could be a, more or less a future Nuggets bench unit. And so maybe having more time on the court in any right. way you can get it. Major elements of a future nugget. Matter. Because, you know, we've talked about it. It'd be, it'd be Christian Brown. It, we assume that it'd be Reggie Jackson and then probably Watson. And then uh, who knows? I, Holiday, I did Strouder, think Christian Tyson. Brown might be a part of the proceedings. I did think that. He, that he might be a part of possible. the proceedings. It, it, I think he not. played well enough he, that, he is not. that by the time the right. playoffs ended. It he wasn't. is not. But I wouldn't have been shocked if he had been. If he had not have come back to the minutes he played post-Lakers series. I think there's a chance he might have been in there, but obviously there's no need now. But yeah, I mean, you, you look at this and you think about a, a Watson and a Strouder and a Pickett and a Gillespie. Uh, it's not that far of a stretch to think that you could see three, if not all four of these guys on the floor at the same time, getting minutes later in the season. Especially with Gillespie. He didn't play any basketball last right. year. Right. Gillespie needs to be he out needs there. He needs to Absolutely be out there does. playing. And you saw the difference between his first game and his second game. Uh, vastly different. Couldn't hit uh, Rashad really again, the first. I, I, and got better in the second. Three for three on his I'm first three pointers. Suggesting that you read Fredo a lot Ball. into what we see or don't see from these players in the NBA summer league. Correct. But it is a game environment. There are referees on the court. It's as close as you'll get until the preseason 
to games the way they're playing well, during Watson the regular himself. season and during the playoffs. I understand Watson the stakes are the same, but there is a trophy. It is hey, basketball. It isn't. It isn't pickup basketball. If you don't go out there to it's win, what are you more, doing? Right? It is a little more organized. Yeah, than that. it's more than the preseason. It really is. There's a bit more to it than the preseason. It's okay, that's. That's a good point. Okay, you you got me on that one. I think uh, you know maybe the overabundance of well, caution. I don't think we is we, also me there. We we disagree <laughs> uh, only mildly on on this point. I I I think the Nuggets liked what they saw, especially at the end of the regular season when Watson got to play a fair amount because of all the injuries and what turned out not to be an overabundance of caution. It actually paid off. The proof was in the pudding, as they say, during the course of the playoffs, that resting guys who are a little banged up, a little worn down, was well a very good idea. He got to play a little more. They liked what they saw, and they say in a setting that will be almost uniformly favorable to him, like the summer right. league, Certainly, it, it, it would be tough for him to look bad, right? They looked at that and said, oh, we liked what we saw. We want to see a little more. You want Let's to see put them out there. Yes, against lesser competition, but other guys who are either incoming rookies or going into their second year as pros. And we we want to see how he fares against his peers, against whom he did not play often at UCLA. Right. Well, the Nuggets, I think if he had played a lot at UCLA, maybe the it would be different. That's be a different. pretty fair point. Well, they will have an opportunity tomorrow to get their first win. They are 0-2 in the Summer League. They take on the Jazz tomorrow night out of Cox Pavilion in Vegas at 7 And nobody cares at their own PM. No, nobody cares at all. But they would like a win. And if you're injured, you need a win. And that's why you need to talk to our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com is the website. 720-845-7001 is the phone number. Hire the winner. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients, and they will get you your maximum recovery when you're injured by either settlement or by trial, whichever is the best for you. So when you're hurt, don't just hire someone off a billboard. Hire the people who you know will fight for you. They're easy to find. Locations in Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, Colorado Springs, even north in Cheyenne. And their primary office for personal injury is right here where we are in the DTC. So give them a call, 720-845-7001, or check out the website, BurnhamLaw.com. We'll be back with more next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Denver Broncos training camp is coming up well, next. You know, when you're talking about the next big thing on the Colorado sports landscape, uh, it's not the Colorado Rockies. I know they come back and play something that resembles baseball the draft by the There's way still, special brand of yeah still underway they're on pace to 101 losses which would be the worst in their history but it is the broncos that obviously are more compelling and more interesting and and it's funny that we talk about uh, this news around the uh, new york times basically 
for lack of a better term, offloading their sports coverage to The Athletic, which they acquired last year. But The uh, Athletic doing national coverage and not necessarily coverage for uh, New York teams, but (laughs) The uh, Athletic is putting together, as as we get closer to camp, some different scenarios where they start getting the pulse of fans. And as we've talked about, uh, it all kind of dovetails together, right? Because... Uh, the news you get out of the Valley compared to, say, what you might get from beat writers who were there uh, may differ a little bit. And so that tends to change the fans' perspective. I think so. And uh, the other thing, uh, in any survey, any poll that's done on the Broncos, I think we can all agree that if last year wasn't rock bottom, it will do for now <laughs> as rock bottom. In other words, probably nowhere to go but up. So when you ask a question, how far will the Broncos go? How many wins will they have? Uh, Where will they finish in the AFC West? But particularly, do you like the direction the franchise is now taking? Right. People are going to say, as I would, certainly, well, compared to last year, it sure seems like the right direction <laughs> because last year was definitely the wrong direction and almost everything seems different about this head coach, even if things don't turn out to be that much different with respect to Russell Wilson, the offensive line, the pass rush, things we've talked about over the last few weeks. But on a question like that, you're saying, well, yeah, I guess compared to right. where they were going, the direction now seems more like the right direction. Um, I don't know is probably a good answer too to that question, but uh, this was a survey done and I think there were something like 500, 600 participants yeah. in the survey. Um, and I was one of them. Uh, so, uh, and Sean, you might as well participate. Yeah. We won't go through all 25 questions today, sure. obviously, but we'll take some of the, Major questions that were asked. Yeah, because I, I actually did not participate in this one, so, you know, kind of new to me. How far will the Broncos go? And uh, there are a number of answers here, but over 78% of those polled had them either missing the playoffs or failing to win even after qualifying for the playoffs. Okay. Which is kind of so missing it or losing in the first round. Okay, forty point nine percent missed the playoffs. That's where I'm at. I think they'll miss the playoffs. Losing in the wild card round. That'd be my second and a half percent. Okay, okay. So a vast majority, almost eight in ten, almost four in five, responded. And the the majority by a little bit saying they'd miss the playoffs. They'll miss the playoffs. I think is correct. Okay. there is also the possibility if they did sneak in, and I think sneaking in is the operative phrase, uh, if they did sneak into the playoffs, their likelihood of winning, having home field advantage, uh, would be uh, small. In any case, how many wins? Now they give but, you but several Wait, one choices. sec, though. Wait a minute. Go wait. back. Okay. Go back to so the other. 40, what was it? 40.9% said they'd missed the, missed the playoffs. Okay, let's round that up to 41%. 59% of fans think they're going to make the playoffs? Even if they don't win a game, yes. Oh my. Even if they don't win a game. Oh, my goodness. Even if they don't win 59, a game. 59, so six. So the interesting, so I, again, the interesting story is the 6 out of 10 believes they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, 
Almost. Although to be Almost. to be honest, when you talk about that for Broncos fans, I bet you if you were to do this every year, that's lower than average. I think right now is where it stands in early July. I think Broncos I fans think are usually very I think we asked that question bullish. last year. It would have been so At this time, it would have been more it than six been, out of ten. It would have been eight out of ten. Had him, had him in the playoffs. I mean, we got Russell Wilson. Yeah. His teams always make the playoffs, don't they? Well, almost always. Um, at least in but Seattle. That's, that's an interesting yeah. question because there's a couple that, different that, ways to look at that. Yeah. Interesting. It, it's probably down from where it would have been at this time a year ago. Uh, so it, even with Sean Payton, uh, you know, it's the old fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were fooled last year. And What are we talking about to start the show? Consumer advocacy, right? What do you want to spend your money on? And I think Broncos fans are being more aware of that. Wins. Zero to four. Five to seven. Eight to ten. Eleven to thirteen. There's also fourteen plus, but absolutely no one voted for fourteen plus. That would be a relief to you, I'm sure. Good. No insane people uh, in this survey. Woody Woody Page didn't do his normal column. Zero to four. Zero to four. Uh, no, uh, almost no one okay. voted for that. Uh, that would be worse than last year. Yeah, almost I, no one believes they'll that. be worse than they were last year. No, five to seven, sixteen percent, uh, pretty high. And frankly, that's where I came down. Now I was on seven. That's where I think so, I, I'm with uh, you. I think it's I think it's seven. I think they. That's exactly now, where I'm at. I think it's a seven and ten. Eight team to right ten now. jumps all the way up to seventy three point eight percent. Whoa. Okay. But eight to ten includes eight and nine. Right. And uh, Nick Cosmider, who authored the piece today, and again, this is part of the point I think you were making earlier, before OTAs, many camps, he had eight and nine. Now he's going nine and eight. I never change my prediction based solely on what I see or don't see in OTAs and many camps. No. I don't. Now, I presume could that I is, change I in training camp? Maybe, but only slightly. I can change in training camp, but it has to do more with, I think the question revolves around there about Javante Williams. Yes, if, I do if too. If you believe Javante Williams would be back in game one, I think he literally does change the Broncos' okay. potential fortunes. I'll, I'll buy that, but he'd better be 100% well, raring to I go, I which think, I don't believe he will be. I don't think here we are in July that we can say with any certainty no. that that's going to be that's the case. Why I would I'm actually say towards seven still more likely than not that he's not going to be 100% in week one. So I'm with you. I, I currently have them at 7 and 10, and that also has to do with the difficult division that they're in, a difficult well, conference they're in. Speaking of that. How will the Broncos fare in the AFC West? There are only four possible right. answers. First, second, third, or fourth. First place, almost no one, 1.4%. Second place, 47.2%. But third place, 48.4%. That's where the priority yeah. comes down. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a third. And fourth I, place, 3%. Because I don't, I think the problem is, you know, the people that are assuming first place are assuming that, you know, I, I don't know. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid get food poisoning or something in a couple weeks. But, of the but season. you're talking about a handful but, of people. Yeah, and and in general, I just I look at I don't do predictions based on who may or may not be injured, right? During a season because right. that's essentially unpredictable. So I look at the Broncos and I say, look, they're not they're definitely not as good as the Chiefs. I don't think they're as good as the Chargers. Although, boy, if there is a team that seems to have injury luck, high Chargers. Uh, I, I think the Broncos are better talent wise than the Raiders. I think the Raiders have made some right. very curious Third decisions, place. and I don't trust their coach. I think third place is right. Third place is about right, and that's where 48.4% comes down. But, but so I'm, I'm satisfied with the fan base dramatically second or saying third, second or third. 
well over nine out of every ten yeah, seconds. I think that's good. So good, good. I think fans are on uh, that. Direction. This is right track, wrong track. You get the political pundits sure. doing these kinds of evaluations. This is clearly clearly a right track, right especially track, compared from last year. 84.5%. Okay. Wrong track, 3.8%. I don't know, 11.7%. That's, that's also a, a fair high. Number. That's a little high, but people who are basically saying, show me, don't tell me. I appreciate I, that. I don't know. I mean, all the signs point to the organization being headed in a more correct direction, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Uh, will well, Sean Payton, now, I misspoke the other day. Good for those people, though, by I the way. I misspoke the other day on this question. The question, as it actually reads, is will Sean Payton's Broncos reach, but not necessarily win, the Super Bowl during his time here as coach. Sean Payton's time, not Russell Wilson's time. Interesting. Uh, um, I, if you just what go, do you think? What What do you think? It came down on that. Oh, uh, I think Broncos think fans almost certainly said down. yes. I, I I think fans sixty two point eight percent say yes. They sure. will get to the Super Bowl at some point while Sean Payton is the head coach. Give, give people credit. Thirty seven point two percent, more than one in three, say. No. See, and I, I would come on to the no side with, with a huge caveat simply because it's difficult to get to the Super Bowl. And, and talented teams miss it all the time. And, well, coach teams miss it all the time. Look at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it, it happens all the time. It is hard to get to a Super Bowl. To assume your team will make it is uh, just the odds say that, it, that it's it's more likely that they won't than they will. Give the um, give the folks in that previous question, too, by the way. Almost 12% people said they don't know if the franchise is in a better direction. Like, good for you because, like, I, I cannot remember right now. I, somewhere in my humanities it's more class, than one in ten. up at CU Boulder, some my uh, professors angry at me. I don't remember if it was Plato or Socrates, but the beginning of wisdom yeah. is to say I do not know. All right. So good for you, right. because you're pursuing wisdom. Right. Say, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know yet. I, good. That, that's a perfectly fine answer, by I the way, so. for everything. Um, um, let, let let's move on. Not a shock there with the two thirds. Um, and. We'll do one more before we break okay. here at the top of the hour, and it's on the owners. You give them an A, B, C, D, or an F, and we'll get to George Payton on the okay. other side the of the break. Owners. Okay, these are the owners now. First-year owners, officially in operation only since last August. It hasn't even been a full year. Right. A, B, C, D, or F? I'm going to – I would give them – I mean – to be fair, there's only so much to roster turnover you can do in a year, uh, but they've they've paid the players that they, they'd like to pay. I think that's fair. They've hired the coach that they believe will turn around and empowered him. I think that's a good move. Uh, they have, by the way, in case you've been seeing the construction, spent a good amount of money improving the, the stadium, some brand-new video boards going up for fan experience to make that better. I think that's important. Um, I, I'll give them a solid B. I, I think that I think that's reasonable. Given the circumstances, it's a B. There's no way I'm giving I, an A. I am surprised. But it's a B. I am surprised. B to B minus. 45.3% gave him an A. Oof. And 40.5% gave him a B. What happened in between? Just just hiring Sean Payton? C is about 11%, and Get that's how I grade them. And that's an incomplete more than it is. Really, it's an incomplete is the fair way to put it, but that wasn't the option. D is 2.7%, and F is 0.4%. Yeah, I don't think those are fair. Um I, I gave him a C. I have a B minus C plus, but I'm, I'm going to grade on a curve. So I, I, I think they're in that. I think they've done 
what they can do in the circumstances, but you know, we haven't seen any uh, opportunity to see what happens. But almost 86% give them an A or a B. A or a B. Hmm. An A or a B. 86%. Not sure. That's, I, that's I, a little high for I, me. I, I'm not really sure what they've done to give you an A thus far, but um, but okay. We've got four more questions. We'll get to them on the other side. Yeah, we'll have an and, opportunity. Uh, two of them rate uh, directly to Russell Wilson. Terry Fry will join us. We'll be talking yeah. about the New York Times uh, situation with him, but uh, we'll get back in roughly yeah, 20 minutes or so. Uh, 20, 25 minutes. We'll get back to these questions. Uh, we, we have one, two, three, four, actually five. And we want to know what you think, too. Remember, And we want to know yeah. what you think. You weigh in three on this. Do you think these, uh, I mean, this is not a representative cross-section by any means. It's a few hundred people out of uh, the millions but who follow the But it's 500 Broncos. Broncos fans that feel that they are, it's either important enough or they're or they're interested enough. To and they read the athletic. Right. So I think there's some value to that. 303-831-1340 is the call or text line. Terry Fry will join us next. Hello.